Welcome to Transit Unplugged. I'm your host, Paul Comfort, and today this is the first of a special series called Comfort's Corner, where on three times a week, Mondays and Tuesdays, one show, Wednesdays and Thursdays, the second show, and then Fridays and the weekend, we'll have three different episodes dealing with the COVID-19 virus and the response to this pandemic from transit agencies across North America and the world. We've had this program airing as a separate standalone pop-up podcast, and now we're folding it into our overall parent program of Transit Unplugged to bring it to our full audience of thousands of listeners around the globe. And today it is a, a, a new week. Today is March 30th, and there are a lot of things happening when it comes to the transit world. Uh, the biggest news out of the transit world, of course, is that um, Congress passed and the president signed into law the CARES Act, uh, which is... Um, it includes 25, it was a big, big package. It was the third legislative package to respond to the impacts of the coronavirus package. And the Senate passed it unanimously, 96 to zero, and the House passed it on a voice vote. Uh, and so this act includes over $2 trillion for the American economy, but more specifically for our industry, it includes $25 billion for public transit formula operating and capital grants to prevent, prepare for, and respond to COVID-19. The bill provides that the Federal Transit Administration distribute the transit funds proportionally based on the ratio of funding of four specific programs, urbanized area formula grants, known as 5307, rural area formula grants, known as 5311, state of good repair, uh, 5337, and growing high density states formula, 5340. Uh, the CARES Act provides almost three times the FY2020 appropriations for each of these programs and distributes the funds proportionally based on the ratio of funding for these formula programs for the 2020 apportionments. It is 280% of what normally came in this year's annual appropriation. So a phenomenal bump in funding uh, from the federal government for transit. And the FTA is going to be required to distribute these funds within seven days. So by next weekend, the money should be pouring out to agencies. Again, I want to let you know that this is $18.7 billion for urban areas, $2.7 billion for rural areas, $10 billion for the state of good repair, and over $2 billion for the high-density states formula. Uh, these, are grant, these are grants to prepare, prevent for, and respond to COVID-19. And um, the bill requires, as I said, that they implement these, uh, these apportion these funds within seven days, and they are 100% funding, meaning there's no local match required. Um, and so is, it is a, um, a very exciting time for transit. It also provides a billion dollars for Amtrak. And um, there are important provisions for businesses and other provisions. The bill allows employers to defer payment to employer payroll taxes until December 31st, 2021 and the following year. And there is relief for small businesses, including a paycheck protection program that provides $350 billion and guaranteed loans to employers with fewer than 500 employees who maintain their payroll during the COVID-19 emergency. Loans can be used to pay for covered payroll costs, including group health benefits, interest on mortgage obligations, rent utilities, among others. And these loans may be forgiven under certain circumstances if you keep the people on board. And the proposal, uh, the bill is retroactive and uh, will allow people who have already uh, been furloughed to being brought back onto an employer's payroll. And um, there's a, a lot of other uh, initiatives in the program, including $500 billion loan program for businesses and nonprofits that employ between 500 and 10,000 employees. And um, this program includes some limitations, such as limits on executive compensation. 
The big news, though, is the federal government disbursing $25 billion to transit agencies, nearly three times what they normally get in a year, all coming in one lump and will be distributed based on the ratio of the funds you already have. Big news. The FTA is also um, waiving deadlines for some of their programs. Several deadlines for FTA competitive grant programs have been extended for 30 days, according to an announcement by the U.S. Secretary of Transportation, Elaine Chow. She said, we understand that many transit agencies are experiencing disruptions to normal operating procedures. And as a result, some potential applicants to FDA grant programs may not be able to submit timely applications to FDA's notices of funding opportunity. This 30-day grant extension applies to grant programs currently administered by FDA with active notices of funding opportunities. And uh, so they're extending them. So that's, that's a big program. Uh, they've also included new flexibility that allows agencies to use existing federal formula funds for emergency-related capital and operating expenses at an increased 80% federal share. And um, she's also encouraging transit agency leaders to request other relief from federal requirements as needed by making requests to the FTA emergency relief docket. And the grant programs affected by this announcement can be found on FTA website. Other big news in the transit industry, uh, New York Metropolitan Transit Authority Chairman and CEO Patrick Foy, the MTA, has tested positive for COVID-19. Uh, it is uh, New York State has become the epicenter of the novel coronavirus pandemic in the United States with over 5,400 confirmed cases in New York County and more than 52,000 confirmed cases in the state. 156 MTA employees in New York have tested positive, according to the New York Daily News. The agency currently has a workforce of 74,000. Uh, Foy's test results were made public this last weekend, and uh, two employees, uh, Peter Petrassi, a subway conductor, and Oliver Cyrus, a bus operator, both died last week after testing positive for COVID-19. And a third employee, Scott Elijah, a track worker, died over the weekend as well. The MTA says Foy is isolating at home and maintaining a full schedule. Uh, it says that he was in the office last Wednesday, maintained a safe social distance, and was asymptomatic at the time. He worked remotely Thursday and Friday and, uh, the, um, and then turned out his test turned positive. This is the day after, on Friday, the MTA announced it is distributing 75,000 masks to New York City MTA bus, Long Island Railroad, and Metro North Railroad employees. The authority said the supplies are anticipated to be replenished weekly. And while medical guidance continues to be that masks are not recommended as protection against COVID-19, the masks will be made available to employees who choose to wear them. And um, so big news from across the industry there, the money coming through uh, on the U.S. side. And then just after I'm finished this headline news report, we'll be talking to Marco D'Angelo. Marco is the CEO and president of CUDA, the Canadian Urban Transit Association. I spoke to him earlier today, and he said that they have been working on a federal relief package for Canadian public transit systems as well. And he plans to submit that soon to the federal government, and it will provide uh, relief. And he'll discuss all of that on today's program in just a few minutes. We have a newsmaker interview with him on this uh, first pop-up Comforts Corner episode of the Transit Unplugged podcast series. And then at the end of the show, we're going to do another reading from our book, The Future Public Transportation, the number one bestseller that I released earlier this month. Little did I know what the immediate future of public transportation would hold when I wrote this, but the book is still very relevant, and you'll find out why even more so as we talk a little bit more later on today's program. That's it for the headline news. Now stay tuned for our Newsmaker interview. Hi, this is Mike Bismeyer, and this is Mike's Minute. 
where we talk about random acts of kindness, leading by example, and inspiring others to pay things forward by their own actions. As it's been another challenging week in transit with the COVID-19 crisis that continues to evolve, and we've started to see many inspiring stories about folks that have stepped up in their communities, workplaces, and around us every day. I definitely want to take time out to discuss something that resonates with all of us in every community, nationwide, worldwide, and across all borders. That's our frontline medical workers, first responders, nurses, doctors, and all the support staff that are working tirelessly, putting their own lives at risk, and in many cases, our families before their own. We all know someone that's a first responder or works in a medical system. Please take time out this week to call them or their families. Thank them. Just touch base and see if they need anything. Perhaps they're so busy saving our lives they haven't had time out, time to run out and do something as simple as grab a jug of milk for their own families. If nothing else, just let them know you're thinking of them. Kindness is cool. Thanks for listening. I'm Paul Comfort and welcome to our Newsmaker interview here on Comfort's Corner, part of the Transit Unplugged podcast. And today I have with me, pleased to have with me, Marco D'Angelo, who is the president and CEO of CUDA, the Canadian Urban Transit Association. Uh, thanks for being with us today, Marco. Thank you very much, uh, Paul, for having me. Great to be with you this morning. And where, where are you joining us from? Toronto area? Yes, uh, happy to be here uh, on the line here in Toronto. Um, the only one in my office, so everybody is uh, working from home, totally remotely. So I've got a, I'm wearing a number of hats in the office. Uh, in addition <laughs> to, uh, you know, I'm get, grabbing the mail and uh, making sure that uh, that we've got uh, one person on site during this uh, pandemic period. Oh, that's great. So as yeah. you know, uh, this podcast is basically geared around the pandemic, as you mentioned, and transit's response to it. And we've had um, a number of guests over the last couple of weeks, including um, one or two from Canada. But I was really excited to have you on the line today because I think you can give us a broader perspective on what's happening across Canada. Um, you want to tell us what is the broader impact of COVID-19 on transit in Canada as you're head of the uh, association that represents all? Actually, why don't you tell us for a minute about CUDA itself, and then we'll go into the impact. Uh, sure. So CUDA uh, represents uh, Canadian transit system, so local transit system operators uh, across the country, uh, just over 110 operating systems. And then also we have a membership that includes a few hundred uh, business members, academ academia, um, as well as consulting firms and other industries that, uh, that support uh, transit. So it's really uh, the go-to voice uh, for public transit in Canada. We represent about 98% of uh, all rides taken uh, in the country. Wow, that's something. And so now tell us about what has been the impact on those 110 transit systems uh, that COVID-19 has had on them. Well, like every sector within our economy, uh, transit's been no different. Um, in fact, uh, transit agencies have experienced an 80% ridership uh, decline overall, and that number could grow this week as more and more uh, non-essential workers are either being uh, asked to work from home uh, or, you know, in some cases, unfortunately, there have been uh, layoffs, uh, but we've seen some... Uh, ridership declines of up to 90%, for example, on commuter rail. So that really shows, uh, I think, the Canadians are heeding the uh, the best advice from public health officials, which has been to uh, stay home, stay safe, and to uh, to make every effort to to stop the uh, the curve from uh, from peaking. Um, yes. Fairbox revenues. 
they're also down. Uh, many transit agencies have moved to a policy of um, rear door boarding or cancelling fare collection altogether. So really in an effort to uh, protect the operator's area, so, they, so they've decommissioned a few of the seats or they've asked people to spread out on vehicles and board through the rear. So in many cases, uh, our systems aren't collecting um, fares. They're also incurring four times the normal cost of cleaning and disinfecting vehicles. So this is including providing additional personal protective equipment as well as enhanced uh, cleaning of rail cars and of buses. So really, to, in short, our ridership is way down. Revenues aren't coming in, but transit operators are continuing to provide lifeline service uh, for essential workers who need to get back and forth from hospitals, healthcare facilities, grocery stores, pharmacies, or other places that are um, essential during this time. You mentioned that you represent a number of business members as well. How is this impacting them? Well, certainly, um, you know, business uh, in, in many cases, and let's look at the manufacturing area first, um, there, there have been many supply chain interruptions uh, just with uh, different um, issues with workforce where you don't have necessarily your entire uh, workforce available or there's disruptions in the supply chain. So, you know, transit up until a month ago was, was in a very healthy position uh, in terms of our business members. We had lots of orders for, for vehicles and for rail cars. And, uh, you know, we heard record announcements here in Canada um, for uh, billions in capital. Um, and unfortunately, this pandemic has put th that on hold and it's put many of those jobs uh, on hold uh, for the moment. Yes, I, I uh, read recently, I think it was Bombardier has suspended operations uh, in constructing their rail vehicles. I know that mm -hmm. some of the uh, contractor companies like First Transit are being dramatically impacted because they get paid normally by the revenue hour. And uh, as a result of that, uh, revenue hours are down so much that, uh, you know, they're on the line for all the salaries and everything of these drivers, but they don't have work for them and they're not getting paid for them. Have you heard from any of those groups? Uh, I have a call uh, scheduled with uh, with a couple of those groups actually today uh, to hear some of those stories. So as we uh, build our ask, and I know we're going to come to it later, our ask to the federal government for relief for the transit industry, uh, I want to make sure that uh, the providers of uh, of transit, whether it's uh, the municipality directly or it's uh, a third party, uh, that that we find a way to keep uh, operating during this uh, pandemic. Yep. So during this time, I've seen you've been very busy. I've seen lots of posts from you on social media with, you know, calls and meetings that you've been able to have. What is CUTA doing to support its members during this tough time? Well, we have a weekly webinar series that allows bus, train, and specialized operators to share information on the rapidly changing situation. So, for example, Mondays we focus on rail, Tuesdays on bus operations, Wednesdays on specialized. And we're going to do that uh, for the foreseeable future and just really to have a forum of during, this, during the pandemic to hear best practices and challenges that are being faced by transit members. We launched a dedicated COVID-19 resource page.
page uh, for members on our website. So there's a lot of uh, Canadian news on how transit's adapting to COVID-19. We've launched a LinkedIn group for transit agency operators, and we're providing updates there. So we, and I, I can tell you anyway, I've been on the phone nonstop for the last yeah. two weeks gaining information on, on these concrete impacts on transit and, and reaching out to our federal government and, and provincial governments across the country. Yeah, it's times like these, in my mind, really, that the industry associations really kind of find your voice and really step into the gap for all the folks who you're representing. Yep, certainly this is, you know, uh, uh, most of the time uh, we do advocacy conferences, we do training, uh, we provide information on technology, and really our business has been uh, laser focused on helping our members uh, operate a vital, this vital essential service for workers uh, in in the COVID-19 environment. So it's not something that we were expecting to be working on uh, a month ago, but it's been a, a whole of, of industry challenge is to, uh, to meet the, is to meet what COVID-19 has meant for, for Canadian commuters. That's good. So let's, let's um, foray into the topic now of Canadian governments and what they're doing to support transit at this time. How are the local and provincial governments handling it? And then what is your ask of the federal government? Well, uh, I mean, currently uh, our agencies are, op many of the bigger cities are operating at or near regular uh, service uh, to, pr to respect social distancing with the understanding that, um, uh, that, that this is pro that we're providing an essential service as well, but we are also doing so at a time where perhaps uh, fares aren't being um, enforced nor collected. So we've got a double challenge there. So one of the things we're asking the federal government to do uh, is to um, assist with the drop-off in fare box recovery. So these revenues can't be foregone without doing tremendous damage to our transit network. So uh, we're, we're asking for, well, we will be asking the federal government for something in the range of uh, nearly 100% um, replacement of lost revenues or, or the equivalent. And so we're thinking, of, we're, we're still putting that ask together, uh, but certainly that would be an amount uh, that we're thinking about approaching the federal government for. And then tapering that off as ridership does begin to pick up, uh, but until it reaches the same levels that, uh, that we estimate that we are at as of uh, February uh, 2020. Another important area has been uh, for the federal government to step up and also provide access to relief funding that are uh, to systems that are facing liquidity challenges. So we're urging uh, mm. $1.2 billion in emergency operating grants. So that would help, uh, I believe, with some of the, the liquidity issues where you don't have uh, fare box revenue, but you still are paying um, operator salaries and labor across the board. Uh, to date, there haven't been uh, that many layoffs within transit systems. So they've been doing their part at keeping people uh, employed as much as possible, but that is going to provide a liquidity challenge, I think, in the short term. Of course, uh, supporting the procurement of cleaning agents and disinfectants. So we did a survey actually a week or so ago, just as the pandemic was really getting started here in Canada, which is a few weeks behind uh, sort of chronologically with the with the outbreak uh, than it has been across the United States. But uh, nonetheless, about three quarters of our members um, have said that they've had some problems 
um, getting in touch with vendors or getting sufficient quantities of hand sanitizer, disinfectants, and uh, other cleaning products. So we're working um, with the federal government to, to make sure that when, if there are supply chain restrictions, that transit be placed on that um, emergency uh, list. So some of those are some of the the asks that we have. And you know, for for the interests of uh, of business as well, the economy is going to rebound, and this is where we want the. Fe- our federal government anyway, to provide a bridge to make strategic investments to support jobs, R&D spending, supply chains. These are the things that will underpin the post-pandemic recovery. So we are, uh, we're, we're looking for, for those research and those developments and, and supports for business to continue, especially during this time. So we're ready. So transit is ready when, the, uh, when this health crisis is over and, uh, and uh, things get back to normal. Well, wow, that's a very comprehensive and understandable approach to getting the federal government's uh, funding. That's that's great, Marco. I think I think you've got a real shot at that. Have you have you heard any positive feedback from the Ministry of Transportation about they're open to receiving this uh, request? Yeah, the federal government's been been, been very open, which has been great. Um, you know, they they understand. Um, that investments need to be made in in pretty much the immediate term to keep the economy uh, from from seizing up. Um, you know, with with I'm just looking out the window here, and typically a street in downtown Toronto would be completely full of people uh, on a typical day, and it's just uh, you know you just see a handful, and you just think about the ripple effects that that's having uh, across the economy beyond the transportation sector, and you have to think you know if this this is a short-term pandemic, but it's really uh, it's falling at the feet of the federal government to keep this economy uh, going. And uh, so, yeah, so they have been open to any and all solutions that will uh, that will get us there and, and uh, keep Canada running during this uh, until the pandemic has passed. Very good. I guess my last question would be, as you're talking to executives of, you know, transit mm-hmm. systems like Phil Verster at, uh, you know, in Toronto there at Metrolinx or, or the other ones, Kevin, uh, out in the western part of your country, uh, what are you hearing from them, the big transit well, systems? Yeah, they, I mean, and they've taken uh, great strides to keep their, um, first of all, to keep operations running because uh, they understand that there are connections that people do need to uh, uh, to make to connect essential workers to and from home. Uh, but they also understand the safety of their employees um, as well. And so they've taken uh, great steps at ensuring that um, that operator health and safety uh, is being put to the top of the priority list. And so and, and they've been there uh, and certainly participating uh, in building this federal ask. Uh, I, I know uh, Kevin yeah. Desmond's been uh, has had a lot of input uh, in that. He's on our executive committee representing uh, TransLink. And uh, certainly has been a leader there. And Doug Morgan uh, from Calgary and Alain Mercier from Quebec City have been really instrumental in developing uh, what I what I hope is going to be a, a real relief for transit operators uh, across Canada. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Marco D'Angelo, President and Chief Executive Officer of CUDA, the Canadian Urban Transit Association, for being our guest today, but even more importantly, for helping to lead the uh, response effort to make sure that transit stays safe, efficient, reliable, and still providing world-class service, uh, especially as we pick back up after this pandemic passes. Absolutely. Uh, Thank you so much, Paul. 
now for the wrap-up of our program today, our special episode for March 30th and 31st, 2020, 2020, as we talk about the COVID-19 virus and how it's impacting public transportation. We'd like to close each program with a reading from our best-selling book, The Future of Public Transportation. It was a number one new release bestseller on Amazon earlier this month, and it's still available on Amazon for digital download or for the paperback book. All of our book signing events obviously were postponed until we're through the COVID-19 crisis, but we've been reading portions of the book as some folks have asked for kind of an audio version. So today I'm reading from a chapter that I started uh, last week, chapter 23 called Top Transit Trends. And we talked about what are the trends in the industry and we walked, walked through the silver bullet to increase public transit ridership. Basically points out that all the major transit systems in North America and really throughout Europe as well that have seen an increase in ridership over the last couple of years are doing basically the same three things. They're reconfiguring the entire bus route network to take people where they want to go today, started by Houston a couple of years ago, and now uh, most American cities have either done it or are doing it. And then they're adding frequency with 10 to 15 minute headways to the most heavily used routes. And finally, they're reducing the friction that slows buses and makes routes too long by adding bus only lanes, transit signal priority, and new quicker fairing options and other, other ways to make the whole bus uh, more efficient, the routes, and make them quicker. And today we talk about the results, a chapter I wrote starting on page 217. Results. All of these changes are bringing passengers back to the bus and the downward ridership trends seems to have bottomed out in 2017 with a rebound now firmly afoot. Nationally, ridership increased by 2.2% in the third quarter of 2019 as compared to the third quarter of 2018, according to the quarterly transit ridership report released by the American Public Transportation Association. This includes a rise of 5.46% for heavy rail, 4.38 for commuter rail systems, and 0.59 for all bus systems. Riders in the third quarter of 2019 took 2.5 billion trips. This is the second quarter in a row with an increase and the first consecutive quarters with an increase since the third and fourth quarters of 2014. This added up to 54 million more trips in the third quarter of 2019 as compared to the third quarter of 2018. Look for these trends to continue into 2020 and beyond as more systems reconfigure their routes, add frequency, and reduce the friction that slows their bus routes. New route planning and business intelligence tools that even use artificial intelligence are coming onto the scene to assist agencies in ensuring their routes will be the most productive. Ridership is on a rebound as transit becomes more customer centric. As BC Transit CEO Aaron Pinkerton told me, one thing that I'm confident on is that fixed route high capacity transit will never fail. Regardless of the other mobility entrants into the market, public transit will continue to lead the market with the ability to carry the most amount of passengers with high frequency and reliability. A rideshare vehicle is still in congestion with the rest of the rideshare vehicles. And so we in the transit industry need to make sure that we focus our investment on where we know we're going to be relevant, unquote. She continued that we need to, quote, focus on our strengths and then recognize that our customers, their travel experience is going to change and their demand or expectations is going to grow. And so how do we keep up with that and stay relevant? She says, I'm the first to admit that we need to be able to pay for fares with our phone, our app, our credit card, or debit card. Why can't customers see where the bus is and almost hail it? What draws our customers to rideshare and how can we mirror that? For example, let our customers rate their experience when they get off and say, my driver was great, or report a concern, or give any immediate real-time feedback. We should consider the use of family accounts. Aaron Pinkerton says, I want to be able to let my 12-year-old nephew ride, know where he is, and know he's safe. How can we take 
what the private industry is doing and make sure that we're staying relevant in that market, unquote. Great input from BC Transit CEO Aaron Pinkerton. So that is the, uh, that's the section that talks about the results. And uh, we'll be talking about other um, transit trends and how they're impacting our, service, our services uh, on the next episode of Comfort's Corner as we close out with a little hope and future. Again, the book, The Future of Public Transportation is available on Amazon. Folks around the world are reading it. I'm also working on a children's version of the book. I just started uh, in the last couple of weeks and have, have an, uh, an illustrator and we're working. I just, this last weekend, put together the whole storyline of the book. It would be a colorful book with illustrations of the various vehicles and it would probably be called The Past present and future of public transportation, where we're going to talk about what happened, you know, how we started out with Tom Thumb Railroad, all the way through the current age of buses and into what's happening uh, just around the corner of Hyperloop and air travel, like Uber Air and things like that. We cover all of it with beautiful pictures and children getting on and off. It'll be a great present for your kids. That'll be coming up soon uh, the, on the past, present, and future public transportation, a children's book. Hopefully you've enjoyed this first episode of Transit Unplugged, the Comforts Corner version, where we uh, bring you the inside story of what's happening around the public transportation industry as it responds to the COVID-19 crisis. If you want to tell your story, um, contact me. I'm at uh, paul.comfort at trapezegroup.com. Let me know if your agency wants to have something you're doing highlighted or if there's some special um, some special service you're providing, such as, you know, you may be using some of your paratransit drivers to take meals out to people. We like to highlight those kind of good news stories on this show as well, and be sure to let me know, and we'll take a look at it, possibly include it on a future episode. Thanks so much for being with us, and thank you for your continuing commitment to provide safe, efficient, reliable public transportation with world-class customer service, even under these tough circumstances. I'm Paul Comfort, America's foremost transit evangelist, encouraging you to stay safe out there.